it is amazing how many people show up in a small city in Switzerland for a couple of days a year. Welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today, in a special preview episode ahead of the World Economic Forum annual meeting, we'll talk about gathering during a moment some believe could be an historical turning point and what leaders should prioritize. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. Everybody recognizes there's nothing like being in person. As I record this, we are just days away from the 2022 annual meeting. It's the first of its kind since January 2020. And since then, the world has been racked by a pandemic, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, economic uncertainty, rising food prices, widening health gaps. You get the picture. It's one of the reasons this year's theme is history at a turning point. Leaders will come together at this year's annual meeting to tackle these problems at a time when tackling anything in person is still somewhat of a novelty. There have been very few major global events like this one since the pandemic, and my editorial colleagues and I will be covering every announcement, every speech at the conference on the ground, all with daily articles, videos, and even a daily episode of Radio Davos. Here's my colleague Robin Pomeroy. Hello, I'm Robin Pomeroy, host of Radio Davos, the podcast that looks at the world's biggest challenges and asks the brightest minds how we might solve them. People like top AI scientist Stuart Russell. The algorithms have learned to manipulate people to change them into somebody else. European Central Banker Christine Lagarde. Even before a way of life, we need life. Actor and campaigner Matt Damon. The actual impact of not having access to water is truly incalculable. How do we meet the world's biggest challenges? From the World Economic Forum, this is Radio Davos. We're excited for the daily Radio Davos, just like we're excited for a special Davos edition version of Meet the Leader. Designed just for the annual meetings, these shorter, snackable podcasts will give you quick insights on compelling questions from some of the amazing experts who will make their way into our very special podcast booth in the event's nerve center, the Congress Center. Today, we kick off those special episodes with a range of voices, including one that's familiar to Meet the Leader listeners. David Rubenstein. He's the co-founder of global private equity firm The Carlyle Group and host of Bloomberg's The David Rubenstein Show. He's also a history buff and someone with more than 20 annual meetings under his belt. He'll get us started by breaking down the opportunity for leaders gathering during this historic moment. I think the best thing about Davos is the opportunity to listen, not to talk. In other words, it's great to talk. Everyone loves to hear themselves talk. Everybody likes to have their ideas listened to by others. But I think you get more out of Davos if you listen. I once interviewed Oprah Winfrey, a famous interviewer, and she said she's not really that great an interviewer. She's a great listener. And she says when she listens, she learns a lot more than when she talks. And I think that's going to be true on Davos. A lot has happened in the last two or three years. And I think a lot of people that have some historical perspective and have different perspectives from living all different parts of the world will be able to educate people about things that have happened. I know I'm looking forward to learning from people in Europe about what's going on in the war there in ways that I can't really do over Zoom. But the issues that I think are most important are, number one, it's trying to resolve Russia-Ukraine. Number two, trying to get the global economy in reasonable shape because it does teeter on possibly a recession if we don't solve this problem. Number three is the global problem of climate change, which we are, you know, can't forget. Number four is the U.S.-China and the European-China relationship, 
making certain that is going to be uh, something that's acceptable to everybody. And last, I'd say, is the income inequality that has increased as a result of COVID. Uh, of course, we can't forget COVID is still with us, and a large percentage of people in the world have not been vaccinated yet. And so I think we can't ignore what's happening in COVID. And I think we should also recognize that COVID has changed the way we live and work, and how that can make uh, humanity better is something we should talk about. What have we learned from COVID, and what can we do better next time a COVID-type thing happens? And given that this is one of the most complex geopolitical and geoeconomical situations in decades, what do you think is needed to truly understand that? Well, I think having a sense of history is helpful. And I think a lot of people who will be at Davos probably have lived through some complicated historical events. Uh, the most important thing I think I would want to convey to people, and I think people should understand, is that when you watch television, you watch movies, you get used to things happening very quickly. It's over in a half hour. It's over an hour you tend to think that the world operates that way. But we have wars that have gone on for years and years and years, and we now have one that could go on for years and years and years. Putting that into perspective is very important for people. So those people that have some experience and some history with these long wars, the Vietnam War went on for 10 years, Afghanistan for 20 years. So the idea that the Russia-Ukraine war will be over in one or two, three or weeks or so is, I think, misleading. This is going to be a long haul, most likely. When we had talked for a podcast last year, you'd said that you'd been disappointed by a lack of courage from leaders in recent years. How do you think courage will play out in the year ahead? Well, interestingly, uh, somebody that no one had thought was going to be a Churchill-like figure has emerged as a Churchill-like uh, courageous figure, and that's uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine. And I think he's showing a lot of leaders what it takes to be a great leader. A lot of leaders, uh, once they get to be in leadership positions, want to take the path of least resistance and are not willing to really take bold stands. And I think Zelensky can, uh, can really be a role model for people. Courage is not easy to do, and it's not easy to do things that might upset people that are close to you. But I do think we can use a little bit more courage in some of our leadership around the world. For you personally, um, what is the top factor that uh, you think is going to be shaping your sector in the year ahead? I think the global economy will probably shape it the most because right now uh, we've had a, a first quarter in the United States that was in the negative territory. Another negative uh, quarter would be a recession. I do think that the higher energy prices, the, the disruption in the supply chains, the uncertainty about the food supply, particularly with respect to wheat exports from Russia and Ukraine, is leading to a economic situation that is very difficult. And not only that, we've been progressing towards increasing interest rates. So at the time that the economy around the world seems to be slowing down in Europe, United States, and China, we are in a path toward increasing interest rates, which is probably a good path to be on, but it may have the effect of producing a uh, global slowdown, maybe even a recession. Is there anything that uh, keeps you up at night these days? Well, I do worry about the Russia-Ukraine uh, situation because we've never had a situation before where a nuclear power was engaged in a war quite this way and threatening to use nuclear weapons. Now, the threat was veiled, but there's no doubt that the message was intended that nuclear weapons could be used. And the fact that people are talking about tactical nuclear weapons as if they're just some type of tactical weapon is a little bit scary. And is there anything that uh, sort of gives you hope? Well, my hope is that the fact that people are coming together and are coming to Davos and are still willing to talk, they're not afraid of overcoming some difficulties. Uh, and that, that's a good thing. If nobody was willing to show up and nobody's willing to talk about these problems, that would be a bigger challenge. I think Davos has done a pretty good job, the World Economic Forum, by working through all the logistical and other challenges to bring people together. It's been a couple of years since we've been together, and I think we're long overdue to really have a real in-person conversation 
among leaders from around the world. Davos brings together heads of state and business leaders and activists all working on the same issues. Sometimes you can find yourself all next to them in that very long line for security getting into the Congress Center. Is there a chance meeting that stands out for you? Davos, you never know who you're going to run into or you're sitting next to and you can be at a dinner and you're sitting next to a president of a country or a former president of a country or a former military leader or a former great financier. So um, one of the great pleasures of Davos is you never know exactly who you're going to see. It is amazing how many people show up in a small city in Switzerland for a couple of days a year. And is there a message that you would like leaders from this year's Davos to be taking away from the event? Well, the message I hope everybody will take away is that we need to resolve the Russia-Ukraine situation as peacefully and as quickly as possible, because until that is resolved, I don't really think we can get the global economy in the, in the position it should be. And I hope we don't lose sight of two other global issues. One is climate change, and one is the growing income inequality that exists in many countries between those who are wealthy and those who really are left behind. And what else should people keep in mind as they come together at this incredible moment? I think when people come together, they should try to think about what they can do to help make uh, the world situation better, to bring people together and to convey a message that we can cooperate and work together. And that's what Davos is about, which is letting people know your views, coming together and working together in a peaceful way to get uh, problems solved in the world. And the World Economic Forum deserves its credit for doing this for more than 50 years. I also had the chance to talk to Leif Johansson, the chair of AstraZeneca. He has been to his share of annual meetings. And I asked Leif how these gatherings have challenged him and helped him grow as a leader. Here's what he said. What, what you need to do as a leader when you're a business leader and I became CEO at a very young age, you can say you, you need to have other reference points than the one that you get in your normal daily work. And if you don't have other reference points, over time you will become, you'll be living in your own little bubble. That's a comfortable place to be, but it's not a productive or good place to be. Uh, it's much, much better to come to WEF every now and then feel a little out of your normal comfort zone and listen to views that you may not necessarily agree with, but that are still good. Um, and I think WEF's ability to create seminars on completely different subjects is a very good message to all of us that we might need to go and want to listen to completely different subjects than the one we are normally exposed to. All of that I love. I think let's come out of our own little self-created bubbles and, and make sure that we have a wider understanding of what goes on around us and then try to impact that in a positive way. Lastly, I was able to catch up with Akam Steiner, the administrator of the United Nations Development Program. He'll share an exciting announcement for digital inclusion that will be released annual meeting week. But until then, here's Akam on the themes he hopes will move forward at this year's annual meeting particularly at this moment in time, not only because of the, the conflicts in the world, but also because of the urgency of um, having responses that are well aligned. Look at, uh, for instance, the issue of finance. We actually have more money than ever in the history of, of the world, um, over well over $400 trillion. A lot of this money is actually stuck. It is not finding places to land, to invest itself, and yet the world is desperate at the moment to invest in a recovery from COVID, to invest in a just energy transition towards a decarbonized future, dealing with the fallout, um, for instance, of also the, the inequality that is so pervasive, poverty reduction, 
uh, accelerated uh, industrialization, the smart cities of the future, there is an extraordinary uh, opportunity to invest. And yet our system, our financial system, our international financial architecture, but also the way that leaders in the financial sector uh, need to look at this future is simply not evolving fast enough. Um, the World Bank, IMF, uh, spring meetings were a stark reminder that we are struggling to stand up to these uh, to these challenges. So I hope, particularly because Davos is often very much a place where individuals um, can sit down with one another, that we will find um, opportunities to forge not only new alliances and, and partnerships, um, but actually um, encourage one another to, to step up, as I said earlier on. This is also true for CEOs, for heads of government, for leaders of, of public institutions. These are not normal times. And I think where Davos and the WEF will always be judged, but particularly at a moment like this, is can it actually foster that kind of um, common endeavor um, that is also cognizant of the fact that this is not a time where you can only discuss about how your shareholders will do over the next 12 months. This is where leaders of corporations, uh, of industry, of energy companies um, need to show leadership because we are in a moment where we need to accelerate transformation and transition, and it simply won't happen if we just try to go back to where we were before the pandemic. Everybody says this, everybody knows it's true, but um, let's be frank, um, the temptation to just scramble back to where one was before um, is certainly still there, and I think we need leadership. Leadership is um, one of the great variables in, in any society, in any community. Let's see if Davos this year can foster the kind of leadership that inspires um, others to, to join. That, I think, has to be one of the, the litmus tests for whether meeting at this moment in time produces real-world impacts. That's our first Davos edition episode of Meet the Leader in the Books. For more highlights on the annual meeting, go to wef.ch so you don't miss a single story, video, or podcast from my digital media colleagues. And follow hashtag WEF22 to catch the highlights in real time on social media. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.